doesn't she do a good job? We're so appreciative of Jen and Derek putting it all together. Well, welcome, Arbor City Church. So glad you're here, and welcome to those of you who are with us online. In a moment, we're going to be turning to Psalm 145, Proverbs 11, reading from them, but mostly Luke 9, so if you want to just go to one place, you can do that. Uh, just a couple verbal announcements. Number one, there's a Saturday, uh, December 3rd, our uh, it's a Pursuit Women's Brunch, and that'll be at 9.30 a.m. with uh, worship and a special speaker. Child care is available. If you pay in advance, it's five bucks. If you wait, it's 10 bucks at the door, which uh, isn't that bad. So either way, you should be okay. Uh, also, Thanksgiving, I just want you to know we're partnering with Harbor, or not Harbor, we're partnering with, Eman- Harbor City is partnering with Emmanuel Baptist and we are excited about what they're doing over there. They're having a great, it's, it's turkey and dressing and all the trimmings. And uh, if you want just someone to have dinner with, you can go there physically and eat dinner right there on the premises. Or if you'd rather just pick up a dinner, you can do that. Go there and pick one up. They'll have one ready for you. Or if you would like, uh, if you're from Harbor City Church and would like a dinner delivered to you, just sign up out of the Connection Center, and we'll make sure that people will uh, deliver a meal to you. It's from 12 to 2 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. I think that'll be great. I just want to take a moment also to honor veterans. This last week was Veterans Day, so if you're a veteran, would you stand up so we can just honor you? Anyone? There's more. All right, several of you. Thank you, guys. We love you. Appreciate you. We don't tell you enough. Normally, I give you coffee cards, but I didn't get any today. So remind me, and I'll try to have some for you next week, okay? But God bless you for your service. We are so grateful for all that you've done for our country. And if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have the freedom that we have. Okay, today uh, is our first Legacy Offering Sunday. We've never done this before. So if you're new to this place today, Relax, okay? We're not out to get your money. And uh, we want you to know that you can walk out of here with the same amount of money you came in with. So in a moment, we're going to, like I said, turn to Luke 9. But over the last couple months, uh, we did a series called Dream Again, which uh, led us up to our 15th anniversary. And then out of that, we felt we should move into the holidays as we did. Uh, We want to talk about generosity. And so Pastors Cameron and Jimmy... Uh, did two great sermons on that. And today, we're ending that series with a sermon called Living for Legacy. So, uh, and then at the end, we're gonna take a legacy offering today. All right, why don't you lift up your Bibles with me, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books. But this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be. And I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me first give you a little history about uh, generosity at Harbor City Church. Since the beginning of this church, we've been practicing intentional generosity to pass on to the next generation. We believe we are the hands and feet of Jesus to lost people in Grace Harbor and beyond. So here's a definition for legacy on your notes if you're taking notes. Legacy is simply passing on to the next generation what you want to be remembered for. So let me say that again. Legacy is simply passing on to the next generation what you want to be remembered for. So last night I was with my brothers. We were watching the UW beat, uh, the Huskies beat the uh, Oregon Ducks, and it was a delightful game to watch. Can't always say that. But I was saying to my brothers, hey, what, what do you think our dad's legacy was? And we talked about uh, he, he was a, a man of God. He loved God. He, he loved John Wayne, and he was a cowboy. He loved to laugh, and they liked to pull jokes and pranks and all those kind of things. But one of the things I remember most about my dad is that he was a worshiper. He had a little mandolin, and he beat that thing to death, but he loved to worship God. Psalms 145 verse 4 says this, that each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I want my kids in this church to remember we told them about the love, forgiveness, and power of Jesus Christ that can transform a life. I hope that that will be a legacy in the future. So here's a quote that you can write down from a a friend of mine, Pastor Dave Patterson. It says this, Life is short, which is, that's Psalms 90. You have 70 to 80 years. Eternity is real. Ecclesiastes tells us it's in our hearts. And then lastly, people matter most. That's what God would say in John 3.16. So one of the, the legacies I want to pass on to, to be known as a church for, and you can write this down, is to be a church that lives with an open hand to bless other people. That's the Genesis 12 through principle where God tells Abraham, he says, I'm blessing you so you can be a blessing to the other nations. So he's blessing you so you can be a blessing first to your children, then our cities, our communities, and our nations. And legacy is about living a life of significance that touched other people's lives for eternity. So here's a question. You may not like it, but I think it's something we all need to ask ourselves. How do you know if you are greedy? Here's the answer. If you can't let go of what God asks you for. So I'd like to show you a picture of a monkey. This is how you catch a monkey. This is one of the ways you can catch them. And you can see in this picture, it's got a small opening in the jar, and most of the time, Uh, They use beans to catch a monkey. They see it in the jar. They'll reach down, and they'll grab hold of the beans. And the thing is, their desire for the beans is so great that even though they know there's somebody close by, they won't let go, and they get captured because of the desire they have that's greater than it should be. And if you know if you know greed's an issue, if it's a challenge of you to let go of things that God's asking you to let go of, and it will. What happens if you don't let go? 
it will capture your, your soul over the presence and love of God for others. So over the last three years, when the COVID wave started, we stopped taking physical offerings each Sunday. And I remember being a little scared, concerned about not passing the plate because all of my pastor friends told me, if you don't pass the plate, you won't get as much money and we need money for all the expenses here. But we have found, now that we, we have generosity boxes on the back wall and in this place, so now one offering's been taken in three years with passing the plate. But here's what I want you to hear. We have found that we have had greater tithes and offerings by not taking an offering than we had before. We have found you are a generous church and that you love God and you want to put God first above everything else. That's what we're learning as a church. We want to give God the first of our income, the first day of the week, which is today, by the way, the first of our possessions, the first of our time, the first part of our day, and surrendering it in devotions and prayer. We dedicate our children to the Lord because we realize they don't belong to us. They are a gift from God entrusted to us to be able to raise on his behalf so they can glorify God. We've learned that the first and the best belong to God. We don't tip God. Now, I say that because if you give 20% to the waitresses and waiters, God only asks for 10. Just a thought. All right. So we bring God the first and the best because it actually belongs to him. And we have learned when you give God the first and the best, the principle is this. He will bless the rest. It's amazing what God can do with your 90% that you couldn't do with your 100%. So everything that has happened here at Harbor City Church has been by God's grace and blessing. And secondly, it has come to pass by intentional generosity. Proverbs 11:24 says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So a generous person's life will grow larger and larger, and the stingy person's life gets smaller. Now, it does not mean that things will not multiply in your hands. It doesn't mean that you can't build great bank accounts. But I will tell you this. There's a man in the Bible in Luke 12 that built bigger and bigger barns to keep his possessions. In fact, he tore down the old ones and built new ones so they could have these bigger barns. And in, the, in verses 20 and 21, it says this, that God says, tomorrow, even though you built all this, tomorrow, you're gonna die. He says, tomorrow, your soul is gonna be required of you. And somebody else will spend all that you built the barns for. And then it says this, the same thing will happen to the man who stores up wealth for himself and is not rich towards God. I just want you to hear, the American dream is not gaining wealth for yourself. The American dream is getting wealth for God. Okay, don't shut me down, but it's true. In other words, there's nothing like living the generous life on behalf of God. Wherever Jesus went, he invested in people and was generous towards others, and his world became larger and larger. When you store it up for yourself, your world becomes small because it's all about you. Here's a thought. Mature people 
will take responsibilities for others. Immature people take responsibility only for themselves. Just another little saying I came up with. Okay, now, let me, let me just take a few moments and talk to you about a story in the Bible about multiplication. How many would like to have God multiply your resources? I would. And as I read this story, and I've read it before, and I've shared these, you've heard these principles before, but hopefully today in a new light. And here's what I'd like you to do. As I take this story, I want you to put yourself in the story. In other words, I want you to kind of pretend that the movie's about you. You're in the movie, all right? So Luke 9, 12 through 17. When the day began to wear away, the 12 came to him and said, send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there was about 5,000 men. Now let me just stop there for a moment. They counted by families back in those days. So when they said 5,000 men, they were saying 5,000 families. Matthew 14, 1 tells us, or Matthew 14, some, 21 says, uh, there were 5,000 men plus women and children. Now, the average family in those days had usually three kids minimum to five kids. So that means there was twenty to 25,000 people there. I tell you that so that you understand. Multiplication is no big deal for God, all right? I want you to see how big a miracle this is. Okay, continuing to read here. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Now I've had people theologize about the 12 baskets and do you think the 12 baskets meant the 12 tribes of Israel, the, 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 the 12 thrones of God and all this stuff? No, I think it meant God wanted to make sure they got each a doggy bag to never forget the miracle. That's what I think. So that's just a thought. Again, so let's say, let, let, now you're gonna put yourself in the story. Let's say it's a Sunday morning. There's been a great worship service. How many enjoyed worship this morning? Okay, and normally the service ends, we'll say, around 12.15 to 12.30. And uh, Jesus is still speaking after 12.30. And uh, you, you, you think, yeah, I can handle him. He's a great teacher. Uh, he's anointed. And, uh, you know, it's, it's getting okay. Now it's 1 o'clock. Then it's 2 o'clock. Then it's 3 o'clock. And then it's four o'clock. That's why it says, as the day wore on. <laughs> as the day wears on. So I just want you to know, my brother and I, we grew up in the eternal gospel church. We had a pastor that would preach till one, two o'clock. Now, <clears throat> when, when we were that age, do you think we were like, oh, this guy, <clears throat> this guy's amazing. No, we were like, Mom, when do we get to go home? And so the disciples, I think what happened, they, did, they formed a little committee. And they, they get over and they start huddling up together and they're saying, guys, I don't know about you, but if he doesn't stop, I'm, I'm, 
I'm going to die if I don't get some food. That's what, so they say, okay. So one of the guys says, why don't you go over and talk to Jesus and try to tell him that it's time to wrap it up kind of thing. So he goes over there and tell him it's because we care about the people. So he goes, he goes over to see Jesus, one of the guys, and, and he kind of says, as Jesus is preaching full steam, excuse me. Excuse me, Jesus. Excuse me, Jesus. Can you come here for a minute? Takes him back over here and he says, Jesus, I really have appreciated all your teaching today. I'm amazed at the series you've been preaching all in one day. And it's been incredible. And Jesus, we were just wondering, you know, because the people are getting really tired and they really, they, they need some food. So maybe you should kind of wrap it up. And you can just see Jesus say, okay, now let me get this straight. You're all concerned about the people, right? That, that, that's right, Jesus. Okay, and you say, uh, Jesus says, well then, now this is a kicker. Well then, you give them something to eat. <laughs> Excuse me, Jesus? <laughs> he said, yeah, go over there, back, go report back to your guys and tell them to give them something to eat. So he goes back to the little committee and uh, gives them a report and the guys are going, no, no, you told them what, what we said, yes. And, and, and what did he say? And he said, well, he said, uh, him something to eat. And what? What? He said, we're supposed to give them something to eat. And about that time, a little boy's walking right in front of him with a McDonald's sack. And Peter reaches out. I think Peter's a lot like, I would call him Pinky. Pinky reached out and grabbed that. By the way, Pinky's here. <laughs> right over there. He reached out and grabbed that sack and said, uh, well, let's look inside. Well, he got the two-piece meal, a two-piece fish and and he, but he got extra rolls, five rolls uh, he got there. So, so uh, he says, take this to Jesus and tell him that we've got two fish and five rolls of bread. And one guy goes, that's not enough. And another guy goes, that's it. Tell Jesus we looked the best we could. There's not enough. And then he'll let us go. So the guy goes back over. Excuse me, Jesus is still preaching. Excuse me, excuse me. Uh, Jesus, come here. Takes Jesus over. He says, Jesus, we did what you said. We looked all around, and we found a little boy. We actually took it, and Peter actually took a bite out of one of the rolls. We don't know. He's really hungry, Lord, but it wasn't me. I, I could go all night, Lord, but, but the other guys are really, they're, they're getting tired. So, Lord, we're just wondering if maybe if you could just kind of wrap this up because we don't have enough food to give 50 or 25,000 people. And the Lord says, what do you got? He says, we got two fish, five loaves. Perfect. Tell them to sit down in groups of 50. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Lord. So he goes down and he says, bring, bring me the food. So I just want you to know I brought a little sack lunch here today. So Jesus, Peter, I mean, or whoever it was, took this, took this, uh, rolls to Jesus and he brings him the sack lunch and here's what Jesus does says Jesus took it he lifted it up to heaven and he asked the father to bless it right then 
we'll just take out, there's five rules in here, but we'll just take out three of them. And this is what I think, now I don't know about you, but when I read the story, this is what I think. Jesus multiplied it as soon as he prayed over it, and they watched it grow, and then he gave it to them. That's not what he did. I want you to hear this. Jesus took the bread, he broke it in half, and gave it back to Peter. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be saying, "Uh, Lord, I gave you a full loaf, and now you're giving me half back of what I gave you. And uh, could you just pray a little bit more over this, Lord? That's what I would say. So what Jesus did, he says, now take it and give it away. So, and the reason he had him break it in half is there were five loaves, so five halves is, is 10 halves to give to 10 disciples. The other two disciples... They got sardines, just so you know. All right, so there's two disciples passing out fish. The other 10 are passing out, they're out passing out the bread. Now, if I were Peter, I'd start going down my row, and here's what I'd say. This is worse than I thought it was, but uh, you can, would you just take a little piece? Take, no, don't, take, take a little, a little piece. That's it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You can have a little piece. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's really good. You guys are so good. You can have a you can have a little piece. Okay. Here you go. A little piece. Why you greedy person? You (laughs) took the whole thing. No, just kidding. (laughs) You can have more than that. And then you come to the last person. And as she reaches for it, here's what I think happened. All of a sudden, as she's reaching for it, it exploded into another brand new whole loaf. And, and he's shocked. And then he goes, here, you can have more. You can have more. And it, his faith rises and raises up. And pretty soon, here you go. You can, it's, my hands have been all over it, but you can have it. If you want. So here's, now these have been untouched. Would anybody like a untouched roll. How many are hungry right now? Yeah, Yeah, you're hungry? I I gave you fruit earlier. Yeah. You want want a roll? Yeah. Okay, Craig, you can have a roll. Anybody else want a roll? I'm not going to touch that, man. You touched it. Okay. No good. All right. So here's what happens. I think that, that we forget that the miracle, and you can, so here's the first thing you do write down. It has to be blessed before it can be multiplied. Just a sin. We all know this, but we don't know it. I want you to know it cannot be multiplied if it's not blessed. So it, it, Jesus is saying, I blessed it, Peter. Now trust me. When I say go give it away to the multitude, trust me. So he does. But I want you to see this. It wasn't multiplied in Jesus' hands. Write this down. And don't ever forget this. The miracle did not happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. That's what happened. In other words, God took it, he blessed it, gave it back to Peter and said, now go give it away. And so if, I want you to imagine this with me. What would have happened if they had just taken the fish 
and the bread and not giving it to Jesus to bless it, and they started giving it away. They wouldn't have had enough. What would have happened if they'd given it to Jesus and he blessed it and then they ate it? There wouldn't have been any blessing for the others. I just want to say this. This probably provoke a few of you, but that's okay. But this is what happens to a lot of people. They give their tithe and they ask God to bless it. And by the way, you can see this in Hebrews 7. The tithe is given to the Lord. It says he receives it and he blesses it. And then what happens to a lot of people is they don't give any more away. They consume it themselves. And God wants us to understand that everything he gives us is so that we can bless others. It has to be given to Jesus first. Then it's given back to us. And then through our hands, he multiplies it. And then number two, you can write this down. It has to be given away before it can be multiplied. So I want you to know our story as we work through this, Lois and I, uh, at a very young age. We're, we're in our first year of marriage. She's pregnant with Jamie. We just bought a house. And uh, we have no money left in our bank account, maybe a couple hundred bucks. And the church we are in is in a building, new building program. And this pastor comes in from another, a guest pastor comes in because, you know, when you want things to be said that you can't say as a pastor, you bring in a guest pastor. <laughs> so this guest pastor comes in and he starts saying, you know what, I really, at the very end of his sermon, he said, I believe that God's asking people to give a thousand, some of you two thousand, some of you three thousand, and he goes on and he says, "Take out a tithing envelope there in, in the back of the chair in front of you and fill out whatever you think the Holy Spirit's telling you to do." So I grab one of those envelopes. Lois is looking at me like, "What are you doing? We have no money." But she didn't say that. But I grab the envelope and I start saying to the Lord, "Lord, what do you what do you want us to give?" And I felt like the Lord gave me a number. And I start to write. And Lois says to me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm writing down what I think the Lord wants us to give. And she goes, we don't have any money. And I said, well, I just feel like God's telling me to do it. So I write it down. She said, let me see it. It was $3,000. Now, now we're, that, this is 47 years ago. So I write down this $3,000, and, and uh, uh, the guy says, then, I want you to take what you feel like the Lord told you and dance down the aisle and lay it at the altar and ask God, just ask God to bless it. Lois looks at me, and she said, you're not, you're not going to do that, are you? And I said, yep. And I skipped right down the aisle, laid it on the altar, and I come back, and my wife is crying. They're not tears of joy. She is angry. She's upset with me. So we go home to our brand new home. We have no food. I think we ate Top Ramen or Campbell's Soup or something. No, we had a brand new house. Okay, anyway. That's why we had no money. That's why we had no money. Okay, so she always straightens out my stories, but I'm telling you, I'm right, you're wrong. So, so anyway, so we go home, and I said, honey, you don't have to cry. It's Okay. If it's God's will, it's his bill. It's all going to work out. And I said, I'm telling you, I'm going to do my part. She said, well, what's your part? I said, I'm going to get a second job, and I'm going to find out how to do this. 
So I became a Kirby vacuum cleaner's salesman. And I start going out after work in the evening. They would give me these appointments. It was so fun. You got to throw dirt on their, on their carpet, and then you'd take another cup and you threw dirt on their brand new white sofa, and this, this vacuum cleaner would just suck it right up, and then you would take a white cloth, put it over the top of the vacuum cleaner, and show them how dirty their carpet still was out in the middle of their room. And these ladies were like, how do I get this? They were lining up. By the time I got there, I sold so many vacuum cleaners that I made enough, I think $1,200 in three weeks, and I only went out maybe four or five times. Lois wanted the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and I felt so bad because I had pledged this $3,000, I gave her the vacuum cleaner, and then we were still $3,000 down. But a few months later, we decided it was time to move back to Aberdeen, put our house up for sale, and we made three times the amount of money that we expected. We were able to pay the $3,000, come home and buy a new home in Hoquim, and still put money in the bank, and we have found God will multiply whatever you give to him. Come on, that's how it works. It's a weak clap, but that's okay. Thank you. So we have found that when you hear from God and write things down and do what God asks you to do and obey him, uh, it'll all work out. Now, as I, I also want you to know this. It's not stop. We came home. We became part of a church that was remodeling. They wanted more money. And so we'd say to each other, okay, how should we give? Then I became a lead pastor. And the church that I was in uh, had a beautiful, when I say beautiful, it's still there. It's over in Hoquim, a building about 10,000 square feet with a parsonage. It had been up for sale for two years for $85,000, and nobody bought it. I was shocked, really, when you think about it. But the 3,000 square foot parsonage and a 10,000 square foot uh, building. And so we were outgrowing the building, and I said to the lead, uh, leaders that I was with, I said, I think it's time to sell the building. And here's what they said. They said, we think you're right. Well, you can go ahead and listen if you want. So I started to make some phone calls to see what the building was worth. And uh, before I could even do that, I ran into this pastor whose church had burnt down, and they were looking for a building. And so I said to him, uh, when are you going to build your building? He said, no, we're not. We're looking for a building. I said, well, what kind of building? He said, we're looking for a building with a parsonage. And this was like two days later after I talked to the leaders. And I said, well, why don't you look at ours? And he said, well, we know that you guys want to build a building, and, you're, you know, we, we, don't, we don't think you're, you would want to sell. I said, give it a shot. Five days later, he calls me, says, would you take $225,000 for your building? You can keep it staying in your building, keep meeting in the same times because we meet in the afternoons, and then all you have to do is pay utilities and water and garbage. That's all you have to do. And when you do that, then uh, hopefully your, your building will be built in the next year. And I said... 
I'm thinking, do I even have to pray about this? So I tell the guys, they said, do we have to pray about this? I said, I don't know. And so we accept the offer, got all the money, went into another fundraising time where Lois and I were challenged again about how much are we going to trust God for to give to this situation. We were able to sell uh, one piece of property we owned. We were able to build the building. We borrowed $600,000 on a $1.5 million building and our payment was $6,000 a month, and we couldn't make that payment. But we prayed, and the very first month that we moved into that building, we grew by 100 people, and our tithes and offerings went up exactly $6,000, and we never looked back. I'm just telling you, when God leads, and you obey him, and what he asks you to do, it all works out. And then... It's always a test trusting God when it comes to your giving. It's an act of faith. But you don't do it to get. You give to to do what God tells you to do. And then uh, when we moved into this place, uh, it was another challenge. For six years, I prayed, because every year the school district said, you can't have this place. We're going to move back in. And as we prayed and sought God, at the end of the sixth year, beginning of the seventh year, they called and said, we want to sell the building to you for $1.2 million. So as they said that, I thought, well, we have 300000 saved. We can uh, put the down payment, and hopefully we can make the, the mortgage payment. Well, FEMA put Aberdeen and Hoquim and Kazi underwater, and when they did the appraisal, it came back at $285,000. So I got a hold of Bob Sornberger. He went with me, and we went over there, and Bob, he, he, he's amazing. He's a master at this. And so we, we offered them, he would have offered less. It was probably my fault, but we offered 300000 we probably could have got it for 285, but I was feeling bad. So we got it for 300,000, and we paid cash for this building, debt free. That's amazing. Another miracle. Listen, it doesn't matter what you have, as long as you're willing to do what God tells you to do. He will make miracles with what you have. So we bought a 1.2 million dollar building for 300,000 dollars, and we've been raising money ever since to remodel it. But it's still working out now. Let me just say this. I have found you cannot outgive God when you are giving for the right reasons. This week I was reading 1 Kings 3 about Solomon uh, being inaugurated as king. And as he was inaugurated, uh, he, God came to him in a dream that night and said, Solomon, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. I don't know about you, but That's an amazing offer. And so I was thinking, why why did what happened to Solomon that made God do that? And if you look in the previous verses, it says this Solomon loved the Lord. And then it says the 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 when an inauguration a king would offer one bull, if you want to be extravagant, ten bulls or even a hundred bulls would have been an amazing offering to the Lord. But Solomon gave 1,000 bulls. And I felt like the Lord said to me, the reason I told Solomon, or ask me for anything you want, is because I love to talk to extravagant givers. And so Lois and I have been talking about what God's wanting us to give. We usually don't agree at first, but then we come to agreement, and, and we came to an agreement of what God wanted us to do. And I just want you to know, 
I want to be an extravagant giver to the point where God would come to me and say, what do you want me to do for you? And I think I came up with my answer. Same with Lois. If God could give me anything, it would be that my wife and my kids and my grandkids and all the people in this church and in the years to come would be passionately in love with Jesus Christ. That's my greatest desire. And, it, and, and the reason I tell you that is because Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will be added to you. But when you put the other things in front of God, you don't get them. So trust God in the midst of all that. So all that to say, you need to know what you've given, what you've invested in in the last year, in the last nine months, all right? We've given back, we've given to Back to School Marketplace, Trunk or Treat, helping less fortunate folks in our community with food, utilities, clothing, and other needs. We have supported Young Life. We've given to Veritas Christian School and many other local causes all together in the last nine months you have invested $28,000 in this community. I don't know about you, that's, that's huge. Not only that, for international missions in Uganda, we support kids in a Christian school, about 70 of them there. We have around, given around 25000 for water well equipment. We have given to Mexico, an orphanage there, helping flood victims, and another team uh, will arrive home tomorrow from there. We have given to the war-torn Ukraine to help with food, clothing, and medical supplies. And in nine months, you need to hear this, you have given $84,500. Come on. And the investments in other organizations that are helping to start churches in our nation, uh, organizations like Ministers Fellowship International, Manor House Global, and the Father's House Network, and many others, you've given $9,600 to those uh, organizations. And let me just say this, starting new churches are important because LifeWay Research has found that 42% of people who attend a new church plant were previously unchurched. That's amazing. So we want to plant more churches. We want to help get uh, more people going. We want more campuses, all that kind of stuff. So you need to know altogether, your giving in the last nine months has come to a total of $122,100, more than 10% that we've taken in. You know what that's called? A legacy of generosity to Grace Harbor. It's called People Matter Most. That's our legacy. And it's called Loving People to Show Them the Love of Jesus Christ. Now, you need to know all these stats that I just gave you do not include City Kids Camp or the 3,400 kids that, come, that have come in the last nine months, which is uh, 377 kids monthly that come to our City Kids uh, it doesn't include the curriculum that we buy for those kids and teachers. It does not include 30 to 40 kids that come every two weeks uh, to our Harbor City youth. It doesn't include our college and beyond group that meet every other week. It doesn't include the new kitchen remodel that took place, uh, which, believe me, was way beyond what we thought. And it doesn't include electrical and gas utilities to keep this place warm. How many were glad you walked from outside inside to a nice warm building? or the insurance of this building, or the salaries of our staff, or the thousands of dollars we spend at Christmas 
on every child under 12. We want to make sure they get a gift. Listen, there's so much more, and that's why we call it living for legacy. It's because of your generosity. Remember, life is short, eternity is real, and people matter most. You also need to know the needs are going to get greater. As of August of this year, 20 million households are behind on their utility bills in America. Natural gas has gone up more than double. Food prices have gone up over 30 to 40%, and less food is becoming available. Gas prices have gone up almost $2 a gallon in the last year and a half. People need to see Jesus' hands and feet in action. So let me just say this. We're going to take a legacy offering in just a moment. But the greatest offering you can give, if you've never done it, is give Jesus your heart. Give him your life. Let's stand. Some of you came in here today, and you need to know what you've been looking for is Jesus. And he's here to be your savior today. He's not asking for your money. He's asking for your heart. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you today, and you would like to give Jesus the best offering you can by giving him your heart, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. Because you need to know when you walked in here today, you need to know Jesus has been right here with you all along. To give you forgiveness, to give you purpose, to give you, to, to, to reach the or meet the longing that you've had in your life. Why am I here? God's here to tell you and show you. But it all starts with a relationship with him. And if that's you this morning, I'm asking you to raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I need Christ in my life. I don't want to leave here without him. Anyone here like that? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand over there. I see that hand there. Anyone else? Three, four folks. That's awesome. Five. Okay, here's what we do here. We pray with you. You're not alone in this. We want to walk with you. You're our family. We want to help you grow in the ways of God. So say this prayer with me, everybody. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give these folks a big hand? It's the greatest gift you can give. Now, if this is your home, you want to take out an offering envelope, or you can give online for our legacy offering. And whatever, and here's what I'm saying. Just give what the Holy Spirit is asking you to give. What is he laying on your heart? What's he speaking to you to give? And there's, if you say, you know what, Pastor Doug? I didn't come prepared today. You can do it online. Go to our website, harborcitychurch.org. Click on giving and select uh, a legacy offering. It'll drop down and you can give that way if you want to wait. But I just want to say this. There's no pressure. Just give what the Lord is asking you.
to give. All right? Can we just take a moment? They're going to pass the plates right now. And as they pass them, when we're done, uh, and this again, like this is the first physical offering in three years. As they pass them, we're going to then lift it up to the Lord and bless it. So let's worship.